0: A woman on TikTok bemoans her being rejected by a matchmaker. I have some responses to her general attitude towards attracting a man. Plus there's this abortion case out of Texas, that more on the Cory Truax Show! say that more, but not really. It is just those two things. There's the abortion case down in Texas where a woman is leaving the state to get her uh, child aborted, but she was rejected by the courts there in her request. I want to talk about the ethics of that, try to bring some clarity to, unadmittedly, a situation that can seem muddy if we are not attuned to thinking about it. Plus, I have this TikTok video that I just think is representative of the age that we're in, what some of the philosophies of the last several decades have done, what feminism, or at least second and third wave feminism has done. And I think along the way, I'll probably say some other things because synapses will fire, but those are really the two things I want to talk about today. So we'll get started on it in just a minute. Welcome to the Court X Show, wherever you find podcasts. I'm glad you're here. Amongst many other things, I get to serve the people of Beechwood Church as their pastor for teaching. I do that, I guess, all the time, but most Publicly on Sunday mornings at ten thirty here in Greenville at Beechwood Church you can find us you can Google us there's two of them there's one in Michigan there's one here so if you Google Michigan nope <laughs> if you Google Beechwood Church South Carolina will pop up don't search for the one in Michigan that's uh, that's a mistake now, we'd love to have you at any given uh, Sunday morning at ten thirty sorry I got distracted there let's do this thing I'm just gonna play for you the audio we'll stop and start it along the way in short this uh, this young lady I'm gonna call her a young lady she's thirty seven. Um, I'm a I'm a married man, so I, I'm and I'm just generally careful about how I comment on women. Generally, I think it's a good uh, a good policy. But I'll say she, she's an, a she's an attractive woman, uh, and she could attr- uh, she could attract a guy. Or she doesn't she passes that uh, whatever that that bar that standard. I um, mean, she's apparently not attracted a man that she wanted to marry in her 37 years. So uh, I would just I would say to her, it's not because. You've not worked on your yourself physically. It might be something else. Well, let's let's explore that because I think she has some very interesting things to say that we all need to learn from. My my audience is because as I age is starting to get younger and younger than I am, and I don't want you guys to do the things millennials did. And maybe the folks that are older than me that still listen, you can look down on us folks in our thirties and the stupid mistakes we made and how we how we tried to think through the. Relationship between men and women. Uh, this this woman, though, uh, is emblematic of what secularism did to the relationship between men and women. So let's listen to her. It's like a full two minutes. We'll start and stop along the way. I do. Wait, is her name on the screen? Her name is Danielle. And here we go.
1: I was rejected by a matchmaker this week. You wouldn't be able to work with me. When we met, I told her what I was...
0: Real quick, if you don't know, that's a thing that's happening more and more now as women who believed the lie that, uh, the well, the, the feminist lie. what is A woman needs a man like a a fish needs a bicycle. Now, granted, the opposite needs to be understood. Men need women. Women need men. We are made for one another. Uh, but then second, uh, the You Can Have It All book from that woman who eventually recanted that statement by the You Can Have It All. It's you can work your 60 billable hours for an attorney and be a mom and a, and a wife. And she is... She was saying you, you can have it all, do both. And now she's in her older age saying, no, you can't in large part. Uh, you can just certainly go to work and work outside the house, but if you're going to be ambitious and go after a, a career that defines you, one of the things that will suffer is your role in the home. She's right about that. I think it's true of men as well. Listen to me. Men who chase career as a way of self-actualization a way to make themselves feel like they've achieved something. They will neglect their first duty, first job. Love your wife, see to her development. Love your kids, see to their spiritual development. Work is awesome. It's good. It's how it's not just how we provide for our families. Don't don't go that far where work is just to pay the bills. No, it's not. We honor God in our work. We get to model what it is for the for the God who created all things. In the beginning, God created, then he gave us the The responsibility to subdue, and when we go out of the house and we go to work, that's what we do. We go to create because we're made in God's image. We go to subdue because we've been given that commandment. So whatever you do, uh, men or women, that's good when you go to work. But if you believe the lie that you got to have a career to self-actualize, your home will suffer because of your misplaced priority. But okay, so this woman, believe that, is going after her career, and this matchmaker, uh, oh yeah, that's what I was going to tell you, it's more and more common especially from non-American people who live here, like folks who have immigrated and come from other cultures, are now going to professionals and just saying, find me a spouse. I I never did. I'm getting towards my 40s. I want to be married. And that's what this woman has done. And the matchmaker says, I won't work with you.
1: I was looking for and told her a lot about me. And I tried to highlight some of my core qualities. Including the fact that I'm very, very type A organized. I like to be the leader. What are the types of things that I like doing?
0: Those first two qualities are not, not bad. Actually type A, very organized. That's me. That's uh I administrate with some skill. I love it. I administrate our house. I think that's that's the role I play here. That's not a problem being type A isn't any kind of issue. And even a woman who says I like to lead, there are contexts in which women lead. This is not we we have not found any real red flags yet, unless you're just picking up a tone, but there's no content red flags here yet.
1: I also told her I was looking for a man who was also a leader because I don't want to always be the leader, believe it or not. I told her I was looking for someone that was at or above the same income level as me, driven, who is ambitious, who is ready for a long-term relationship, and ready to get married. She may have—
0: All right, so even here, an instinct that most uh, secular women in the West won't even admit to— the idea here that I want to be led, there is something deep in my instincts, in my femininity. I want to know I can count on this man to lead when I'm when I'm clouded, when my judgment is clouded. I want to know what, what some therapists call. I want to be able. I I want to be able to fall into my feminine, the same way that men we actually do want to lead. We have uh, no no. I have no compunction uh, about that, even with men um, who are not. Who aren't given to it, like uh, in a lot of settings in their home, they do they do want to lead. And so when a when a woman makes it hard to lead, they what they want to be able to do is not fall into, but grow into their masculine and lead. They want that kind of atmosphere that makes it easier for them to do that. Here's more from her.
1: I've actually picked up on the fact that I'm a little high strung. I'm not like a stressed out or anxious person. I'm just high energy or type A. This is who I am. And she was asking me, do I meditate? No. Do I journal? No. Do anything woo? And I said, no.
0: I had to Google that. I don't know what, I didn't know what wooing was, but that is a, uh, it's like a method of journaling. It's a a mental, like a mental health method thing that I would not suggest, it doesn't seem like it's coming from a Christian background, but this this person wants to know, for, for all of your nature of being high-strung, get stuff done, are are you a meditator, are you a journaler, are you a wooer as a ways to uh, to come down off that high-strung high, the high strung nature?
1: In fact, I'm not even on the same planet as Woo. When talking about what I didn't like in a man, I said I could never really be with a beta-type man. I specifically use the word doormat. I said, I would chew them up and spit them out. And her response was, well, I married that type of man. She was saying that, you know, men really like a soft woman, and I should try some of these vision board, journaling, meditating type of things. We're never going to be that type of person. She essentially
0: Okay, now we're getting into some of the content. I, I, listen, I, I, there's lots of different types of people, women out there. I will admit that this attitude that she just gave is one I don't understand. You can help me understand. I, I have a uh, disproportionately, as, as compared to other podcasting, uh, larger share of ladies who listen to the show. So you can help me out. The attitude expressed: uh, if a if a man's like a a doormat, I will chew him up and spit him out. Not, I will help him reach his potential. Not, I will. Uh, because I, I, I see the masculine in him and the feminine in me, and I want to, uh, I, I want to grow in both. No, no, no. I, I won't want to see that kind of evolution in a man. I will actively, emotionally, and mentally. I will destroy him. And the idea that I wouldn't—this is her, this is her attitude. The idea that I wouldn't is crazy. Why would I want to? Why would I ever want to change? Why would I ever want to be different? than being a woman who chews up and spits out a man. Why would I ever want my nature to change? This is, uh, I'll do the comparison later, but do imagine, imagine a man saying that. Uh, uh, Saying something about himself that's, on its face it doesn't seem positive, I will chew up and spit out a man, and then not having any kind of thought to, maybe I shouldn't be like that. Maybe I could be, maybe my attitude could be different. But this woman has none of that. The idea that she should be a little bit of diff, uh, be different at all, just not computing. I'm, I'm backing this up some because I think I cut it off. Here is more of this young lady, Danielle.
1: These vision board, journaling, meditating type of things, we never going to be that type of person.
0: That it. I'm never going to be that type of person. So the idea of me not spinning up a man, chewing him out, the idea of me doing these, now these are obviously secular things that, Aren't going to be long-term effective, but me going about some disciplines of maybe changing my nature, I will never be like that. I am who I am, and I cannot change for anything.
1: She essentially said that I am not ready for her type of services because I have too much work to do. My walls are too high, and I'm not ready for a long-term committed relationship at the ripe age of 38 where I've been in therapy for 10 plus years. I-
0: okay, a couple things. Right, um, been in therapy for 10 plus years. That, that's necessary for a lot of people. I, I would caution this. The, uh, the mental health world is important. I think it needs to be redeemed. We need a lot of Christians in it. And there are people probably listening to me right now that are in long-term mental health care situations, decades long. Don't hear me denigrating if you are doing something you need, all right? Let's hold on to that. Not a criticism if you're doing something you need. But I've just noticed over the years, that the people that have done mental health type uh, treatments before, that the ones that work with therapists that tend to have an end goal do best. The therapists that come and say, "What are we trying to accomplish? What? What's our? I don't want our relationship to be literally for ten years. We want to get you the tools and the practices to get past whatever developmental issues you're having." whatever emotional issues you're having. We don't want an eternal relationship. We actually want to set a goal, get to that goal, and then for us to say goodbye to each other. But this this woman has now two, two things she's learned in therapy. I don't have to change for anybody. The way I am is the way I am, and I will make no adjustments. Just for a minute, guys, that's really unhealthy no matter your relationship. If you are going to be married, you will have to compromise and make some concessions to one another. I know my wife has done that. I'll, you know what? For me, really generously, I've done that way. I've done that for her in some ways. It's just not a good attitude to have. And despite ten years of therapy, that's not the number two thing from therapy. She's not learned that. Whatever she's learned, it's not that that you might actually need some personal adjustment.
1: I shouldn't need to be a woo type person to be worthy of love.
0: Hold on, worthy of love. I don't even know what that means. I mean, if you're made in the image of God, you are, I guess, worthy of love. Sure. But men want what they want. In particular, what you're saying, because this I think this woman is a fairly high achiever if I'm picking up from some context clues. The type of man you want probably wants a certain kind of woman and it, it might not be the kind of woman you are. And so then you've got to make a decision. The kind of man I want. Am I willing to adjust anything about me to get that? Or will I just be mad at the universe that did not have the man who wanted to be exactly the way that I am? That seems to, seems to be the very unhealthy attitude she has.
1: She also said that I need to soften a little bit, and men like a softer woman. Essentially, I spent three hundred and fifty dollars to meet with this woman.
0: I don't like. She seems. Look at her facial expression here when she says the matchmaker says you need to soften, she's appalled. But listen, this is um this is advice. Girls will give each other. Women women will give each other that advice. If that if that if there's a woman looking to attract a man and a good female friend is is seeing your level of brashness is repelling the men you want to attract you might want to change that that's helpful advice by the way i'm not talking about in soft in softness level that women just need to be a little timid wallflower sitting in the corner some of my favorite some of my favorite women in my life are the opposite of that they are big personalities they are upfront and they they will assert themselves and they're 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 fun people so we're not talk not talking about that but there's apparently a she's 37 she's successful she's she's got the the features that would typically attract attention so what's going on might this person who can, can consider this this person who is a matchmaker i wonder if they're talking to men I wonder if they're hearing from men in these same interviews the kind of woman that they're wanting, and this matchmaker matchmaker is looking at you and saying, "All the men I'm working with, they don't want you. You are not the kind of woman they are looking for." This is I'm going to turn it around here for for the men for a man. A man goes to a matchmaker and says, "I'm looking for a wife," and he spends hours a day on his video, on his video games he says he's not a great financial manager he's actually looking for a woman to manage the finances that he's that he's got a job situation that's been about the same and doesn't really want uh, doesn't have any kind of drive or ambition doesn't lead there's a, there's kind of what the the women that the matchmaker is speaking to is going to look at that guy and say i don't think i can help you i think i'm going to need you to change need, need to get some discipline and be and, and, and want to lead some and become am, to learn some skills have some ambition because that's what women want and if that's what women want you need to become that. It's a, a really I to- mean uh, you know, the modern day word is toxic but it's a damaging idea that you d- you just do whatever you want be whoever you are. don't ever think about a way you can improve yourself and someone's just supposed to be attracted to you. It's not how it works guys. If you listen to me and you're young and you want to be connected to somebody. Work on yourself. Men, I mean, I actually find women are better at this than the young men are. But young men, set some goals. Set the discipline to go meet to go meet them. But ladies do the same thing. It's just healthy. This is not um, revolutionary advice I'm giving you. And also, I don't know, be a little more teachable than this young lady. Uh, back to Danielle.
1: Have her tell me, I am not... Worthy of love as I am, but the fact that I need to change in order to be worthy of love and partnership, which honestly, I think for that reason alone, she should have her matchmaking license taken away because we shouldn't be pushing on these narratives that people. Are- Hold on, not
0: narratives, human nature and who we are. Men what men want what they want, women want what they want. And if you've not been told in your life that you might need to change some things, then I'm sorry you made it this long and no one was honest with you. But now someone's being honest with you. It's, again, not that you're not, quote, worthy of love, whatever that means. But you might not just be what anyone's looking for. I would say, listen, if I had to give that counsel to these college students I'm with all the time, I would say those things. You need to work on some things and be different than you are if you want to attract what you're what you saying you want. This is it's not how life works. Life doesn't work with you just saying, I want what I want, and I'm going to be what I'm going to be. And everyone else can get over it. You... You're setting yourself up for this, I know. Whoever ends up with you seems like they're going to have a miserable life. You might even need to be a little different. They're not
1: worthy as they are. And essentially telling women that the type of woman they are isn't worthy of love. That is a narrative. The type of woman they are isn't worthy of love. That is a narrative that should not be given to anyone. Or It is dangerous commentary and the fact that she said this to my face had some audacity. Well, we're celebrating my 38th Birthday tonight, and we are gonna wash all of what she said aside. I am <laughs>
0: just wash it all aside. Don't don't listen to it. Don't listen for a second that there might be something a little different that you might want to do.
1: So excited, and we're gonna believe that no matter the type of woman you are, love is out there for you. We are not gonna to listen to this toxic
0: narrative. So no matter the type of woman you are, no matter there's there's very literally in her worldview, there is no character flaw, no habit, no uh, lack of uh, character virtues. There's there's nothing. The way that you are right now, we have so pushed self-love that the way you are right now, someone should just take you as you are and love you. Listen, I, I would not be under that. In, that's an insane impression. Even for people who really have a lot of their stuff together, they're well, they're well disciplined. They got good characteristics. When they start interacting with someone else who also has good characteristics and has their stuff together, even when that happens, you're going to find that you have different preferences. You're going to find different ways that you need to, to you need to defer to her, sir, and ways that she needs to defer to you in some of those preferences. And you just give up some some of those things from time to time. That's all you got to do. And to have the attitude that you're not going to do that is a way to lead to misery. Finally here, I'm going to play for you uh, Emily King. She's like an Instagrammer, ticker-talker type of woman. I don't think she's a Christian, but I think she offers wisdom from time to time that's mostly correct to young ladies and uh, to young men. I think this Emily King person is probably also in her mid to late 30s. She's she's my age. Uh, We'll let her finish up, and then uh, one more story after that
1: part that she's not considering is that that matchmaker is hired by men. So she's listening to what men want, which is why... Oh, that's what I said. ...why she's giving the feedback that she's giving. But this reaction from a woman is exactly what a lot of men experience in the dating world. There's just so much resistance from women these days to self-reflect and potentially change a little bit. It is okay to change yourself, to improve yourself. It does not mean that you're not worthy of love currently. Because you... All
0: right, that's enough. But that's good word from Emily King. Uh, let that not be our uh, our attitude, and let's teach our kids to let that not be their attitude about about these things. I mean, you need to have your your core fundamentals, you know, the fundamentals of the faith, your your standards for parenting, and your standards for. Uh, well, there's there's you know I should make that list for you guys. Maybe do that on another episode. Uh, but that's what feminism has sold. Feminism, and I think the overly or at least second and third wave feminism, and our overly therapized and our overly, uh, let's go with self-love world, is you do you, and everyone else can can orbit around you. You are the center of everything, and it is just a real miserable way to live. All right, so this Texas abortion case is what I want to do next, and it's a matter of law, law, It's something we've been talking about for a couple years now. Specifically, we've been looking at some of the harder-to-understand biblical laws in the Old Testament and how to apply them in the New Testament. We have talked about how uh, you have to give restitution. If you've been digging a hole, digging a pit, you did not fill it in or warn people, and then someone has an animal that gets hurt in that hole and how you have to pay restitution. And we've wondered, how do I make that uh, wisdom for the modern day? Well, I suspect you have not had uh, an ox or a farm animal fall into someone else's pit, but something of the modern-day analog might have happened to you, and those analogs might be getting hurt at work because of someone's negligence or getting hurt in a car accident. If that has happened to you, I know that there are serious consequences for that. Medical bills pile up. You You can't work, so you're losing wages. You're trying to recover, all the while trying to work through the labyrinth of getting justice. And I just don't want you to be intimidated by it, or I don't want you to try to do it alone. There's someone out there to help you. There's lots of people out there to help you. The one I want to introduce you to is a personal friend of mine. His name is Samuel Harms. He's an attorney right here in Greenville. Uh, That is Samuel Harms. You can Google him at Samuel Harms, H-A-R-M-S, as in stay out of harm's way. His number is 864-666-6666. Samuel Harms, attorney at law. He is at 33 Market Point Drive, Greenville, South Carolina, 29607. real, don't try to do these things on your own. I've seen it cause a lot of problems for people. So get help, and that help for you might be Samuel Harms at 666-6666. If you have a deed, either been gored by the modern-day ox or you've been hurt because there's there's been some negligence somewhere, maybe in a car accident, get in touch with Samuel Harms. All right, final case. Here are the facts of the case that have been scrutinized over uh, this last week. In the Dallas area, a 31-year-old woman who was pregnant wanting to have this child finds out around the 20, 22, I can't remember a week mark, it's somewhere in there, between 20 and 24 weeks, finds out the child has something called trisomy, trisomy I can't say it, uh, trisomy 18. It is a chromosomal condition, if I understand correctly, that uh, means the child's going to develop with lots of abnormalities in Many parts of the many parts of the body and has a very low survival rate. children born with this tend to have very low birth weights and abnormally shaped bodies and heads and often do not live outside the womb for long and For that reason, I just want to stop for a second. I know that you know there's there's the ethic out there that we don't talk about abortion with any kind of uh any kind of compassion because this is—it is it's, it is the murder of the unborn. But I do want to just hold for a second and ask, can you imagine being told that? It's a baby you want. She already has two kids. She wants a third child, and she is told that your kid, uh, if the child is born, the chances of that child living for more than a day or two or maybe more than a couple hours is very low. And that's devastating. So while I'm not going to pull any punches on the ethics of what I'm about to say on what what sh- what is justice and what should happen here, I, I do at the same time want to be sympathetic with the situation. I'm not sympathetic to the wo- to the woman here in particular because she has decided she wants to to abort her child. But the situation is unbelievably sad. Imagine being in it for a minute. It is unspeakably sad. And so Texas has an almost near abortion ban, but does provide for abortions for the case where they, the mother's life is certifiably in danger. Uh, so she sued to be able to have an abortion. She won her first round, and the Texas Supreme Court said no, that the legislature has put into, its, into the words of the law that this child in the womb with the con- con- genetic condition has its own rights, and that there there is no there is no threat to the life of the mother. That's there's that's not the argument that even her attorneys are making. Her attorneys aren't making the argument if she has this kid she might die. They're making the argument that, that a twofold argument. This child is not going to live. This child is going to die. That's one. Their second argument is that there is some chance that future fertility could be harmed. That by having to birth the child, this woman might not be able to end up getting pregnant again and uh, and having having a kid. Not, I say those are the facts of the case. I think I've given you the facts. I think I was faithful in the facts and the arguments that have been made, the situation that they were in. I would only say the the argument that now I'm, I'm kind of out of the facts now, and I'm now into an argument uh, argumentative area that different. Doctors say different things about this fertility question. I saw one that said it's less than 2% chance. There's a 2% chance, a little bit less, that her fertility will be irreparably harmed if she, if she has this kid. There's a 2% chance that will happen. Um, and Some said it was a little bit higher, maybe, maybe even a 20% chance. So that's something that they're having to consider. And in that way, there is some compassion you have for, uh, I think she is married, um, a husband and a wife who want to have more children that they are now considering, especially in a world that has a conscience seared about abortion, they don't see abortion as killing a child, they are thinking about their family and what they what they want and not wanting to take the risk of not being able to have more biological children. So that's the consideration they're making and they decided they wanted to have an abortion. Here's my ethical formulation and how I'm, I have come to think about it. I can be argued with, I'm, I, 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 th- I think I'm, I'm open to marginal correction. Some of these things I'm not I can't be corrected on. Like I'm gonna start here with this. The, that child in the womb is a human. It has all the rights I do. It has all the imago day I do. A human that's developed differently isn't less human. And that child and that w- wasn't that womb, that child has now been aborted out of state. Should be thought of and loved like I am thought of and loved, like you are thought of and loved. That's the thing that the the discussion missed entirely from the left and from secularism. That they just don't, that the thing in the womb is just a thing in the womb to them. It's just a bunch of tissue, it's just a bunch of cells, and that they're wrong. Factually, denotatively, objectively, that which is in the womb is human and alive and worthy of protection. That does leave us in a situation, though, that we are dealing with two lives. That woman isn't any less human because she's now carrying a human. Her life is certainly to be defended, and I would say vigorously. But even her attorneys are saying, "We're we're not saying her life's in danger. It's not. We're saying her fertility is in danger, and the child is not viable. The child will die. So that's their argument. But I'm trying to bring this first premise, that which is in the womb is human, worth defending, it's made in the image of God, and I would just set it up this way. If you can't do it to me, you can't do it to the kid. So if, if for some reason me living has the potential of harming that woman's fertility, not her life, but her fertility, well, you can't kill me. You can't kill me to totally ensure your future fertility, and you can't kill the child to ensure your future fertility. Fertility. Now, I say that with, I mean it, like a heavy heart, because kids are good. Bearing children is basically miraculous. It's in, It's incredible. We want more kids. Kids are great. This is part of a broken world. The idea that you have to take this risk of birthing this child knowing there's a possibility, it seems small, a possibility. This is the last birth you will ever have. That doesn't change the ethics, but it does make it sad. We should have the compassion to recognize the sadness of that. So remember the child is human. Remember that if you can't do it to me, you can't do it to the kid. Then two. I already made the point. Uh, If if life imperils fertility, then the life has to win out. Life is more sacred than fertility. Fertility... if I use the word sacred, maybe I would use the word sacred. I mean, it's God's good design for the creation of people to be made in his image. What an incredible gift fertility is. Women who suffer with infertility will, will probably know that more much more starkly. Infertility is a, is a real sad thing. But when we are measuring life against infertility, life has to take legal and ethical precedence. Just a couple more points here this child is a child and deserves his chance at life however short if that life is palliative care for a few days he deserves that he or she deserves that the other argument is is a, is a euthanasia argument it's i think i think at some level playing god we're we've decided there's th- these are the statistics and this child is going to live a short existence, and you would usually say uh, unpleasant uh, unpleasant existence, but with palliative care, it doesn't necessarily have to be, and then just die. And so uh, the final point here is, the emotional well-being of this woman matters. her future fertility matters. They are subject to, though, life. life in the womb is sacred. Life outside the womb is sacred, and when we measure the emotional health or future fertility—good things—against life, life has to win. And the whole situation is sad, but I think it's where we have to learn. We have to, we have to land ethically. This has been a hard one for a lot of people, so I wanted to offer some, what I hope is clarity, but offer that clarity in a tone that's lamentable—that this is something to lament that we long for. That's, how, that's actually how I want to end. That we long for a world where we don't have to struggle with this anymore. Where we don't have to think through and use wisdom to think through these hard things. And instead a world where these kind of maladies, a world where tri- trisomy, tris- trisomy 18 doesn't exist anymore. That's the world we want. Thank you for being patient as the show was a day late. I thought the show wasn't going to happen at all. Uh, we, My wife and I got to go to a Pentatonix concert last night with my one of my boys, Kobe, and his girlfriend, Olivia. Uh, through some hookups they had. We got to go and sit in a box, watch a great show. The Lord is good. And so the, the show was one day late. Um, I hope to be back with another new edition of The Corey Truax Show next week. Thanks for listening. You can also, yeah, I should tell you all this. Uh, Corey Truax Show at gmail.com, Corey Truax Show at gmail.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, threads. You can find me there. Look for me, Corey Truax. And if you have content for the show, things you want talk about. I'd love to have that at any of those mediums. I'll be back with another new edition of the Corey True Act Show next week. Until then everybody, peace and love.